The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Some years ago, I was at one of my favorite haunts, the Capitol Hill Club in Washington, D.C. And I was introduced to a congressman whose name I do not know and I don't want to know it because sometime later he told a mutual friend, that Dale Meyer is arrogant. Maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. But whatever, I gave off some bad vibes. And they didn't do me any good. And when you give off bad vibes of arrogance, not doing you any good. But more seriously, it does not reflect the mind of Christ who is among us. St. Paul says, have this attitude among yourselves that is yours in Christ Jesus. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Our vibes should reflect the fact that Christ pulsates within our heart and our being. And so Jesus tells us today at the end of the parable, Luke chapter 14, verse 11, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Are you... That is you, singular, not all y'all, simply y'all, you, fill in your name. Are are you humble in a Christ-like way? Tough question. And the question is not answered by certain external acts that we might do. I mean, a little later on, you might come up to communion with your hands folded piously and unnaturally and you might have a somber face but hey that might just be a humility that is passive aggressive and you're not humble or you might be in the habit of receiving a compliment on your sermon at the church door and say something like Oh, it wasn't me. All glory be to God. Maybe that's humble. Maybe it's just another way of calling attention to yourself. And you're so tickled pink about how good you did. How do you and I get humble in a Christ-like way? It certainly is not by doing the external acts, but it's in the inward heart. Out of the heart, Jesus says, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, and on and on goes the list in Mark 7, 21. And we can well add to that list out of the heart. Not by external acts, but it's out of the heart that come those 
bad vibes. So you or I are not humble. We look into our heart. And when we look into our heart, we compare the impurities that are in your heart and mine with the purity of God's heart. When we make the comparison, we look at the sins that lurk in our mind and in our heart and in our being. They may never show up, but they lurk in the darkness of our inner soul. They lurk there. And then we compare that to the sinlessness of God. And we put our heads down. And when we compare our hearts against his, we realize that we are clay. And I think most of us are <laughs> cracked pots at that. And he is the potter, that is, he is the judge, and he alone is our savior. Some time ago, I was up early, having my morning devotion with a cup of coffee handy, and I was reading in Dietrich Bonhoeffer's great little book, Life Together. And that particular day, early in the morning, I read this. One extreme thing must be said. To forego self-conceit and to associate with a lowly means, in all soberness and without mincing the matter, to consider oneself the greatest of sinners... Hmm. My wife used to have a sign in her room. You know, wives like to have a place where they alone hold sway, and you're not welcome in that room. But I snuck in one time when she wasn't around, and I saw the sign that she had in her room, and it said, I've got a bad feeling about this. To consider oneself the greatest of sinners... This arouses all the resistance of the natural man, but also that of the self-confident Christian. It sounds like an exaggeration, like an untruth. Yet even Paul said of himself that he was the foremost of sinners. He said this specifically at the point where he was speaking of his service as an apostle. Hmm. No. No, no, no. Paul was talking about before he got Jesus, before he went to the seminary, before he got on the fast track to become an apostle and a Saint Paul, you know, but not anymore. But I looked it up. And yeah, the old German guys got it right. Paul was talking about himself as an apostle, as a guy on the track to sainthood, as a seminarian, as somebody that already has Jesus in his heart. And I'm kind of feeling like, you know, that, that big, I'm feeling like self-righteous big Goliath. And there's this little pebble, and it's coming right at me. And I'm afraid it's going to hit me and take me down. Well, Bonhoeffer goes on, there can be no genuine acknowledgement of sin that does not lead to this extremity. If my sinfulness appear to me to be in any way smaller or less detestable in comparison with the sins of others, I am still not recognizing my sinfulness at all. My sin. 
is of necessity the worst, the most grievous, the most reprehensible. And self-righteous Goliath went down. And the great thing about devotion, personal devotion, is you get into some real honest-to-goodness, non-ritualized prayer And I did it. Forget the coffee. Let it get cold. Lord, wait a minute. I know I'm a sinner. I go through confession and absolution every week. Just did it here now. But really, my sins are not as bad as so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. And you know exactly what I'm talking about because you've got a list of so-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so in your own mind. And Lord, I love Jesus. I really do. And you know I do. There are now some hymns in old, new, whatever book. I can't sing them anymore. Like when Easter comes, I know that my Redeemer lives. Forget it. It's too emotional. I can't go there. I love Jesus. You know that. I love my Savior. But honestly, I don't need that Savior as much as so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. And again, you got to list the names in your own head. And the great thing, this is what I did in devotion. The great thing is that with this wonderful theological education that all these smart professors provide, we can pull out Bible passages that justify our position over against him. And I pulled out a good one. I thank thee, God, (laughs) that I am not like so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. You know the parable. It was that self-righteous... Goliath, who was in the front of the chapel that day, and he was asked to take a lower seat, a seat that did not have justification in it, a seat that did not have forgiveness, life, and hope. And it was the person in the low seat that day, the one who put his head down in contrition and said, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. That was the guy who was bidden to come up higher, come up to a higher place by the one who put on the banquet. Psalm 51 says the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. It is the graciousness of God that he invites each of us to compare the impurities of our heart with his total purity. And that is law. But law is good. And it is also the graciousness of God that bids us, leads us, by the Holy Spirit to be wrapped in the pure heart of our only Savior, Jesus Christ, 
who is pure for you, pure for me. And alone in him we have the purity before God. It is the graciousness of God that bids us in the lowliness of our work on this campus to come to the higher place. That is to really come to this highest spot on the topography of Concordia Seminary, to come to this chapel, to come from our lowly places of work and to have him raise us up to a higher place by his good news. It is the graciousness of God who loves you. All y'all but fill in your name, your baptized name, the graciousness of God that calls you to this high spot on the campus and to the highest altar where the sinless and pure one will invade your forgiven heart. The parable of the banquet is eschatological. It's looking to the end of times. And looking to the end of times, it reminds us that God is so good to you, to me, to us all, that he is pleading with us now to recognize our impurity over against his pure heart. God is shaking us right now in a kindly way. Shaking you and me right now so that when all the shaking is done, the only vibes that we give out are the vibes of Christ who lives in us and among us, in whom we live and move and have our being. Jesus, whom we love with all our heart, soul, and mind. He shakes us with his law, but he holds us close with his gospel. So that will be the vibe that we give out. Uh, Several months ago, there was a visitor on campus, a woman who is a Christian, but had been a fortune teller. And I guess old habits die hard, because after spending some time on campus, she said she got the vibe And now you know why I was using the word vibe throughout the sermon. I was building to this. When this former fortune teller was on campus, she got the vibe that people here really do care about one another. We believe that fortune telling is a sin against the second commandment. But I hope she was right. (laughs) But if she is to be right, it will not be because of vibes that you and I are trying to consciously give off. But if that is true about our life together as a community, it will be because I in my often arrogant heart and you in yours... Know that my sin is of necessity the worst, the most grievous, the most reprehensible. And even more, we will give off those good vibes, know it or not. Because each one of us is overwhelmed. Absolutely, shut your mouth, overwhelmed. That his pure heart 
has come to us. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your heart and mind through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.